morning, but that, that, was, that was amazing. What was that? No, but, but I do want to just make mention, uh, we just moved recently to a new community, and uh, it seems like the topic that comes up more often than not is, can you guess who I'm related to? And so sometimes it actually sounds similar to that. We can't get on to anything else. Um, and so it's really nice to come to a place where you all know who I'm related to, right? Uh, that, is, that is excellent. So uh, we are related to basically everyone in Spanish Lookout or their dog. And we have found that out. But uh, we are from Belize. I am now from Belize. I got asked, so uh, does it feel like you're coming home? And I say, no, it doesn't. Uh, it has gotten to that point. I'm sorry, I know, it's, it's a travesty, but that is the, that's the way it is. Uh, we make home uh, wherever we make home, and my wife and kids are at home right now uh, in Belize, and, uh, and so I, I kind of look forward to going back there. Um, you nicely warmed up this country, so it doesn't feel much like a change, which is really sad. Um, I was hoping to cool off a little bit, uh, today it feels pretty good, though, um, and so I appreciate uh, what you've done with the place. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, this church for investing a little bit in Belize. Uh, last summer, you had a group come, and they blessed me very, very much. And so thank you. I see some of you here. Um, you guys are a huge blessing to Belize. Um, and... Uh, we are actually living in one of the things that they blessed us with. Uh, you didn't bless us with a house, but uh, you did paint that house. And, uh, and so that was really, really cool. I see the, the fruits of that every morning when I wake up. So thank you. Before we get into the message, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that we can look into your word. We thank you that you've brought people who are all different together to worship you in one voice. I thank you so much that we can look into your word and that you are speaking to us through your word. And so I pray that that would happen right now, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, and that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you. Uh, I enjoy maps. Any of you like maps? Yeah? Yeah. Maps are great. Even the paper maps are okay. Um, but we, we have this thing called uh, Google Maps or uh, Google Earth. I actually enjoy Google Earth a little bit more than Google Maps because uh, it, it, it gives me a little bit of a, the, the, the satellite picture of the, of the Earth. And I, I imagine I'm an astronaut and I, and I, I zoom in all the way out. And then I, I, I take my mouse and I double-click somewhere. And I, I'm trying to zero in on something. And so let's say I, I, I take my house and I'm going to see how close, if I was an astronaut and I pointed at my house, how close would I get? Any of you ever done that before? Probably not. You're thinking this guy's weird. I'm okay with that. Um, and so I, I double-click and it zooms in a little bit. And I double-click again in the same place and it zooms in even more and even more and even more until I get to home right? Um, this this zooming, zooming in from something much bigger and greater. And that's actually what we want to do today, is we want to zoom in 
on something small, but first of all, we're going to zoom all the way out and see the earth. We're going to see, uh, maybe not the earth, we're going to see the bigness of God. But then the story that we are a part of is not only the bigness of God, but it also zooms right in and speaks something much more intimate to us, each of us. So that's what we want to do. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 3. It is a very familiar story, and this is where we want to spend the majority of our time. It's a story of Moses' calling. Moses is uh, tending a flock. He's, he's a shepherd for his father-in-law. And God meets Moses. And so that's where we want to pick it up. Exodus 3 verse 1, starting there. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, also Mount Sinai. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, like any curious Mennonite would, right? I will go over there and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. We want to start there. We want to start with, uh, with a warning. God warns Moses not to come any closer. From verse 4, I kind of get this sense that he's saying, Whoa there, boy, stop. This is dangerous. What you're getting into here is dangerous. Later on in Exodus, Exodus chapter 33, we have another story that, that, that seeks to explain the glory of God. And I believe that this is what is happening here. Moses is, uh, he, he, he's going to experience the glory of God, and God says, no, you can't. Exodus 33, Moses asks to see the glory, God's glory, and God kind of gives him this explanation of what he's willing to do. Makes, he cuts a deal with Moses. He says this, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion, but you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So I will show parts of me, but you can't handle it. I will say my name, I will even pass by you, but you don't get to see me in my fullness. Continuing, God says this to Moses, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock, when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, a, a, a protection place kind of, and, and, and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. I find that interesting. I'm going to show you uh, even my attributes. I'm going to say my name, 
but you can't see my face. When you're, when you're talking to someone, what are, you, what are you looking at? Look them in the eyes, right? If you're really talking to them, why? Because that's where they reside, right? This is where people reside. That's where you, you look deep into someone's eyes, you're seeing them, right? You're seeing them, not just parts of them. You're seeing them. And so, uh, you can't see my face. It's, that's too deep. That's too deep. We also have Isaiah 6, commissioning of the prophet Isaiah. He sees the glory of God. And what's his response? Woe to me. I'm ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Woe to me. And I get this sense that uh, the contrast of this earth, uh, the dimness of this earth, the sinfulness of humanity, the contrast of that to the glory of God would kill people. He's just too holy and great. I used to work the night shift at the feed mill over here. Um, and the night shift is uh, it's a terrible thing. Um, I feel sorry for anyone that has to do that. Uh, and this is the most terrible part of it. You go to bed when everybody else is waking up, which is actually not a bad deal. <laughs> You're waking up, you have to go to work, I'm already done my day. That, that part is not bad. Uh, but you, you, first of all, you don't get quite as much sleep. Um, you wake up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon at the height of the midday sun. I always had, uh, my room had very black curtains to make it as dark as possible or else I wouldn't be able to sleep. Uh, so when I come out of my room, <laughs> ah, and it is just glorious, right? Just so absolutely bright that it ruins your eyes. I, I'm thinking that this is because of the night shift. It's the, fee it's the feed mill's problem. They should have really paid for these things. I wonder a bit if that's what it's like to see the glory of God. It's just like, it's there. And it's, it, it hurts. It's too bright. I'm guessing that that's why God was concerned for Moses. And so this interchange between Moses and God begins with glory. With great glory. Let's continue. Verse 7. Exodus 3, verse 7. The Lord said... I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites. Parasites. They, you thought that they resided in your stomach? No, they, resided, they reside in the Middle East. Um, Hivites, the Jebusites, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am 
has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me, from generation to generation. And so in response to Moses, God gives two names that we're going to look at. Two names. I am, and second, Lord. Now I heard that last week, Mike said that he was not a Hebrew scholar. I am not a Hebrew scholar either, or Greek, or whatever he said. Um, I am not. But we have an excellent uh, wealth of resources for us that help us to do word studies. And these two names are something special. Let me tell you that. These two names are something special. And so I'm going to begin with the second name, Lord. Yahweh is the, um, is the Hebrew name. Yahweh. The name is used approximately 6,800 times in your Bibles. Every time you see the capital LORD all in all caps, it's Yahweh. It is used more than any other major word in the Old Testament. It was such a sacred name to the Jews that when it would come up in Scripture, they would not even want to utter the name. They used the other Lord, and that was Adonai. That's the, the Lord Master name. And only the high priest, when he was in the Holy of Holies, making his sacrifice of atonement once a year, he would use it. It was a holy name, and it was a meaningful name. It is considered the name of the one true God. It focuses on sure existence, and it focuses on the covenanting God. It was the, the God of the covenant you notice what God says to Moses following the declaration of his name, Yahweh? What does it say? Verse 15, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Why would he use that name when going to the Israelites? He was fulfilling his promise, right? Because he's a covenanting God. He is the one that made the covenant. And so, look back. I promised this. Yahweh, by its definition, is about the God who keeps promises. I will follow through. I'm a promise-keeping God. Verse 8 says, I'm bringing you to a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. That's what He promised. Make you a great nation. Yahweh, the God who has promised, who is still there, He is surely existent in this. And every time, all 6,000... 800 and sometimes, this brought to mind once again, God will keep his promises. And so when you read through the Old Testament and you see Lord in capital letters, don't forget it. It's a reminder I will keep my promises. Yahweh. God gives another name. It isn't just Yahweh, it isn't just Lord that's mentioned. He gives another name, and this is a name that has been used a few times, never in reference to God. Can you all say that name? The what? Haya. Everybody, all at one time. One, two, three. Wow, we got a bunch of ninjas in here. 
That's awesome. Hiya! Um, this name is not just cool because it has, uh, it, it, it makes us sound like we're a black belt in karate. This name is very, very important. I actually got told um, that this name is something that low German people call their sweetheart. Hiya. Any of you ever use that? Maybe it's an old colony thing or something. I don't know. There are two aspects to this word that we want to look at uh, this morning uh, that I want to try and explain this morning. This is how it's defined. A title for God that means to exist, to be. This is the one that we probably have, uh, have spent a lot of time on. He just is, right? He was and he is and he is to come. I am. It's, it's existence. So it's similar to Yahweh. Sure existence. Revelation 1 verse 8 says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So it's kind of this, this idea that he is the bookends of history. You know bookends? Uh, these are these little things that go underneath the books that like none of us have at home, but they have it at, at the library and you're eating supper and all of a sudden the books start falling. Any of you have that problem at home? We have it at home all the time. It's really annoying. But um, the bookends of history, they hold books together on this end and on this end. And so uh, the, the Alpha and the Omega, it, it refers back to the Greek alphabet. Uh, the Greek alphabet is Alpha is the first letter and Omega is the last letter. It's kind of like we would say A to Z. Do you guys say Z or Z? I've been gone for too long. Z is the Canadian way. Z? All right. We say Z. Uh, and so I'm going to say A to Z today. Um, but the, one end and the other. In other words, I was and I am and I am to come. I created everything. I will win in the end. I was your starting point. I will be your ending point. Have any of you shopped at Amazon recently? Any of you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see the logo, it's a smiley face, uh, but really actually it's A to Z. There's a little arrow from the A to the Z. What is it saying? It's saying that I have everything from A to Z. We have everything. If you want to go and find something that might have possibly been invented, type it into Amazon. It's probably there. Um, I, I saw the other day they, they have little things like toothpicks probably, uh, and they also have houses. Did you know that? Um, they sell houses. I would love to see, I, I'm, I'm guessing probably free Super Saver shipping would not be on the, on the house. I, I don't know. They have it all. They have it all. The statement, I am, has that type of a feel to it. In reference to existence, anyway. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the A to the Z. He was there at the beginning, he'll be there at the end. His name is I am. However, I think sometimes we live a little bit like that's actually all he is, the beginning and the end, right? I don't know. I, uh, he's not just saying that. Amazon's not just saying, I have everything in the A category and the Z category. I have everything in the middle too. We sometimes live like he's only the beginning. Yes, the creator. Oh, yeah, creator God. The beginning. Yep, yep. He is, he is our salvation. He saves us. Yep, yep. And, and we believe that he's the Omega. Yeah, at the end, 
He's the eventual king, the one that will bring us to glory. But sometimes we live like that's all he is. Sure, he's, he created us. Sure, he gives us salvation. But I want to live for me and right now, right here, right now. He's irrelevant to me in the here and now. Almost like we want the, the benefits of salvation and the future glory of that salvation. But obedience to a higher calling, nah. That sounds too much like maybe the control of religion. I know people who live that way. Maybe we say, sure, I believe he'll come back, but now he's on vacation. And if he's on vacation, I'm on vacation. Right. Or maybe a little bit of a different way of seeing it that might connect here well. I believe he will eventually make all things right. But right now, ah, he doesn't care about what I'm going through. He doesn't care. He couldn't possibly care about my life right here, right now. And this is where it gets interesting. First name is Yahweh, the sure existing covenant-keeping God. Second name is Hayah, the ever-existent God. But there is a second part of that name. Hayah is more than just the beginning and the end. Check out what the people thought of when they heard Hayah. Focus on his presence. He's not just there at the beginning. He's not just there at the end. He is I am. He is here. He is present. As surely as we are here now, He is here. When God says, I am, He is saying that He is always present. He isn't just the one that was there when creating man. He isn't just going to be there in the end. His presence is, exists now. One of the things I love when I read the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, is that Jesus speaks in current realities all the time. And he uses pictures that we understand. Why do you think he does that? Because he is here now. When he says, I am the bread of life, or I am the true vine, it's profound because it is who he is right now. He comes down to our level and lets us in on who He is in our lives now. It isn't some theoretical idea out there. It's a current reality. And so it starts out with God's glory. Something that we can't comprehend and can't even look upon ends in God's presence. The name doesn't stop just with presence. It's also care and concern and relationship. We sometimes use the scare tactic, God is watching you. He's going to strike you dead if you do anything wrong. You ever hear the lightning rod, poised, right? Hayah is not about God taking a lightning rod when you do something wrong and zap, you're done. Or doing a karate chop, right? Hayah! Hayah is about his care and concern and relationship with us here and now. The glorious meets the personal. All throughout the lead up to that statement in Exodus 3, 
God shows his care and concern in relationship with his people. I sense there was, this, there was this turn. Right after he talked about the glory of God, Moses hiding his face because he was afraid to look at God. After that, it's all about his concern and about his care. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land. The cry of the Israelites has reached me. He's heard it. Even to Moses, he says this, I will be with you. Care, concern, relationship. You see it? God's presence is here. I care for you. I hear you. Let's go to the Gospel of John just a little bit. John 8 verse 58 says this. This is Jesus uh, saying, uh, making this absolutely glorious statement. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And this is where the Pharisees get really ticked off. Because what is he saying? I am the same one that was in the burning bush. The one that you spoke of. I am that. The lead up to that statement, Jesus is kind of being put on trial by the Pharisees. If you look at the I am statements of Jesus, they're all kind of within the John 6, I would say, to John 11, 12, and then later on again in 14, 15. Uh, Read those statements because they are profound statements. Um, all through the, the first four, Jesus is being put on trial by the Pharisees, and he's attacking them in a lot of ways. In this situation, once again, they are putting him on trial. They're accusing him of all kinds of things. They accuse him of being demon-possessed. Jesus says that him and the Father are one, and then he makes that statement, I am. And I, I've thought about that, and I, and I, I struggle with, the, with how Jesus sometimes deals with the Pharisees, but I see a different picture when I, use, when I start seeing the I am coming through. What is he saying? He is saying, I have concern for you Pharisees. Right? Have you ever thought that Jesus is concerned about the Pharisees? Have you ever thought that he's actually not just attacking them for who they are? He's concerned for them. He's concerned with unbelief. He's concerned that they're rejecting him. I'm concerned that we, have, we can't have a relationship. I'm concerned with how you are putting up walls between other people having a relationship with me. I'm concerned. Because I am a God that cares for and wants relationship. And so with that sweeping statement, Jesus zooms out. He declares God's glory because that, that talks about God's glory. Can any of us say, I was and am and will be to come? I am always? No, we can't. That's a glorious statement. But at the same time, he zooms in and he says, I care for you. I have concern for you. And so when he says... I am the good shepherd. 
He's talking about that right now. I'm, I want to lead you to good pasture. When he says, I am the bread of life, he says, he's that now. The food he offers satisfies now. And a lot of you have, have experienced that. When he says, I am the true vine, he's saying, I enter into your life now and produce fruit in you now. He meets us where we're at and beckons us to relationship. He cares even about the most stubborn of people who discredit him and destroy his witness. He cares about even those people, and he cares for you. So, let's bring this back. John 14. Jesus promises a counselor to come and be with us. John 14. These words hit me when I read them this morning. It says this, The Spirit of truth, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Isn't that beautiful? The I am, the one in the burning bush, has come to us and is living in us. Talk about care and concern and being. This morning, I don't know where you are at, what you're going through, but Jesus does. He's here. He's present now. He sees your past. He sees your future. He made you and will raise you up at the last day. But more importantly, he is present now. Offering you life and life to the full. And so this morning, we have a glorious, ever-present, covenant-keeping, relationship-centered God. And He is with you. Yahweh and Hayah, I am. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you that you, and thank you, and want to express gratitude that you care about us. We praise you, Yahweh, that when you promise something, you follow through. We praise you, Hayah, I am, who was and is and is to come, for being and is in our lives. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are for us. And we thank you that you are working in us. In Jesus' name, amen.